before we get started on this week's episode, um, Aaron and I just wanted to say that, yes, we know we promised Chris Watts this week, but it's... Yes, we did. It's so hard for me to handle this case. It's too fresh for me, if that makes any sense. Uh, For me... I think it's really important to cover it. I think um, it's something that I it's something that I'm passionate about covering. However, this movie was a two hour long uh, uh, trigger for me, and I am just I, I, it put me in a really dark place, darker than I was expecting, mm-hmm. and so I need some distance in order to be able to talk about it again. Absolutely. Um, And I felt the same way doing my notes. So we appreciate your understanding that while we are going Mm -hmm. to cover the Chris Watts case in this movie, we are, we, um, we need a little bit of distance from the time of doing our notes to the time of recording Mm -hmm. um, in a way that we can, so that we can do this case justice and do the family Mm -hmm. justice because we are unable to do that in our current state. I am. Um, This was really rough that, you know, I expected the movie to be, a tough one to watch. I did not expect it to go as far with showing the violence that it did show. And that it, it, I'm not saying it was a bad movie because I don't think it was a bad movie. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I just, I think I just needed, I need some time to process it all. And then I can talk about it again. Right. As someone who has experienced something similar, I just, I need some, I need some time. So I appreciate you guys like allowing that for me. Right. And so- not that I'm giving you a choice. And so this week for your listening pleasure, we are going to bring something from our archives that we've been saving in case something like this arose. Um, So this week instead we will be, um, Ooh, I just threw everything across my desk. Um, We'll be dropping things. Congrats. Um, But not the ball. So this week we will be covering uh, Warren Jeffs, which is actually one of um, my favorite like guilty pleasure cases to research so i hope that you uh enjoy what you what we bring you this week yes please enjoy we'll be back soon with the with chris watts absolutely this is lifetime sentence the podcast where we watch bad lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. Hey, so how's it going? Well, I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm about to talk some shit. I see you are getting <laughs> ready. I am pumped. Okay. Um, well, do you want to hear something? <gasps> Always. I watched this whole movie. I'm so proud of you, especially because about, I don't know how many minutes in you were before you text me that it really sucked. Uh, I was good ways in, but I was also watching it. So I rented it on YouTube. Uh, yeah. On YouTube because it's mm-hmm. not available on the lifetime app. Um, oh, well it's available. Well, cause that's funny. You should ask me cause it's available on my Roku TV. Oh, weird. Somewhere. Um, Somewhere. I don't know where. So anyway, I was available a few places, but on YouTube you can increase the speed and like, I know how to do that. So I watched it on 1.25. Nice. Which means that not only did I watch this awful movie, but I watched it sped up. So they were a little chip monkey. That's awesome. Well, see, what's funny is that when I watch movies on YouTube, they're sped up so that, like, because of copyright issues, because I'm not going to pay someone to rent some of this garbage. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. This one, we both knew I was excited for. This is one of the ones I mentioned from, like, the inception of Lifetime Sentence that I wanted to cover. I know. 
It's wild. It's also wild that we've done so many of these episodes. Like, I know. Because we're not totally sure where this episode is going to drop, but um, we're almost at a year as we're recording this. So we'll probably, like, I'm guessing we'll be either right at the cusp of a year or after a year when we drop this. Yes. You have put mm. up with me for almost 52 weeks on You've purpose. You've put up with me for all, almost 52 weeks on purpose. Well, it's Amazing. Been, it's been really easy on my end, but I'm Aww, a space case. You. So y'all don't pay Aaron enough to put up with me. So pay me more money. That's what I heard. <laughs> Whatever she currently makes, we need to double it. But zero times zero is still zero. <laughs> We've been through a lot in the past year, though. We have. We've done it. We we done did We're it. We're like finding success-ish. Yeah. I consider us like success adjacent. That's it. Success adjacent. We mm-hmm. can see it from where we are. We can see it from where we are. And it's coming for us. I think it is. Oh, it, it might make it to your house, but it's going to miss mine. I can feel it. Shut up. Um, Shut so, up. Well, do you want to talk about this? Because I know Uh, you've got a lot to say. I have a lot to say. But first, I think we should say... Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Warren Jeffs. Ooh! (laughs) I gotta go! (laughs) I'm Aaron, and I fucking hate Warren Jeffs. What's going to make a really interesting episode. Yeah. So, I posted on our Instagram last night. So, if you follow us on Instagram, at Lifetime Sentence, you will know... Uh, when we are recording this, because I posted on Instagram last night, just a screenshot of the book Prophets Pray. And I said, hold on to your butts. It's about to get real. Yes, you did. <laughs> and Rachel responded. I know. Hi, I love her. I was texting yeah. her this morning. Um, Rachel is who sits my dogs whenever I go to town. Delightful. Earlier, yes. I had two children knock on my door and ask me if I had a dog and if they could walk it for a dollar. They're way undercharging. Well, yeah, especially because I live on the third floor. <laughs> right? And also, but also, like, I looked at my people and I was like, oh, my God, it's children. I hope it's not black-eyed kids. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made a much also, better episode. So I had been lounging on the couch, like, trying to finish my notes. So my house was 100% silent. And they were, like, banging on the door. And I was, like, nearly jumped out of my skin. It was terrifying. Did you give them a dollar at least? I don't. I didn't have a dollar. I would have. Those enterprising youths. I never carry cash, I and they either. looked at me really kind of expectantly, like they were expecting me to give them a dollar. I'm sorry, girls. Listen, we've we've already cried over the fact that there's not a dog in your house this week. <sighs> there is still not a dog in my house. All right. Well. Um. So, All right. Are we gonna do this? Yeah. So this oh, week. I hate it. Okay. I watched. Outlaw Prophet Warren Jeffs. Okay. It premiered in 2014. Um, and I guess it premiered on Lifetime, but according to YouTube, it's got an R rating. So I found that very interesting. Okay. Um, and it stars Tony Goldwyn as Warren Jeffs. And um, you might know him as Carl Bruner from Ghost. Nope. Um, he was also in The Last Samurai. He was in The Mechanic. He was in The Sixth Day. Okay. Um, he was in um, Scandal. He was in 124 episodes of Scandal. He's Fitzgerald Grant. He was the present. 
He was the president. The present. He was the president. Well, he is a present. He is not he's bad to look fit. at. He is not bad to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also in. Um, I was about to say you found somebody that I don't know, but you no, didn't. Sorry. Uh-uh. Um, he was also in Divergent. Um, oh, that's a good movie. So, oh no, oh, hold, hold on. I'd like to retract that statement. That was a great book. It's a great book. The movie, um, not so much. Sorry, Shaylee Mudley. Um, Molly Parker, who was Janine Jeffs, or as I call her all day, the first wife. Okay. Um, and she is in Deadwood. She played Alma Garrett. I don't um, watch Deadwood. Mm-hmm. She was in Wormwood. She was in House Oh, Wormwood of- is that documentary about acid. Yes. Um, she plays Alice Olsen in that. Um, okay. She's Jackie Sharp in House of Cards. Okay. Um, she did a lot of things. Like she's a, She was also in Deadwood. Uh, oh, I said you that already one already. That. Sorry. <laughs> I was excited because I had actually seen that one. Um, but yeah, a very good actress. I was really impressed by her portrayal of this character. Um, there was also um, Joey King, who played Alyssa Wall. Um, mm-hmm. And she was in the act. She was Gypsy Rose Blanchard on Hulu. Yes, I know um, who she is. She is mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, like, she's incredible. I think she was nominated for a couple of either Emmys or Golden Globes for the um, the act. She deserves to be. If she was even half she's as good incredible. as she was in this movie, uh, she was also well, she in was Fargo. incredible, and she was bald. Yeah. Um, she was also in Fargo. She's Greta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, they got some really like actual actors in this thing. Um, and then David Keith played the FBI agent, Gary Ingalls. I just call That's him my F- brother. Yes. Yes, he is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, um, I just call him FBI guy this whole episode. Um, okay. so he was Sid Worley in an officer and a gentleman. Okay. And he was, uh, Matthew Coonan in U571. Okay. And he was Jack Murdoch in Daredevil, the 2003 movie. Oh, okay. Um, well, he's, I gotta look this guy up, so. He's also in the new Hawaii Five O series. Did you watch that? Yeah. He is the um, commander, Wade Get- Wade Gutches. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know who he is. Okay. Um, so, again, him. like, people from things that we've seen. People from things that I've seen. Let's be for real here. And... The last real important person. Uh, uh, first of all, you skipped the part where he was in Wedding at Graceland. <laughs> I'm trying to cut that from the world. Because I have seen that and I do remember him. He was the dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one who is important um, plays Rebecca, but I just call her qu- crying wife. So um, she is played by Sabina Gadecki. And okay. she's the one I don't know. She's from... Oh, well, she's in Narcos. Um, okay. But she was in Entourage. She was Melanie. I don't know if she played... If that was a big role. I didn't watch Entourage. Um, uh, no, I'm looking through her list. The only thing she's been in multiple times was called LA's Finest. Um, Gina Gadecki. Hold on. She's beautiful. Um, Good lord. You shouldn't be allowed to be that beautiful. Right? She's gorgeous. My God. Um, in okay. fact, she is so pretty that she makes the um, the Mormon garb that they have to wear like a statement piece. Like She, I recognize her face, but. I don't know I'm, from where. 
I have a new crush. You're welcome. Yikes. Okay. So um, the movie opens with um, that beautiful text that says based on a true story. Mm. And then a phone rings. So, okay. Based on a true story versus inspired by versus inspired by true events. How accurate was it to what you know of the case? Um, pretty damn accurate from what mm, I know. Too bad. Uh, but I held off on reviewing anything I knew about this case so that you could tell me everything like it was brand new. I'm uh, so glad. But it's, uh, it, was, it was very well done. Buckle up. Um, so the movie opens with text that says based on a true story and the mm-hmm. phone is ringing and there's some like eerie sustained chords playing in the background mm-hmm. and it's dark and a man sits up in his weird Mormon underwear and he answers the phone. <laughs> didn't need to kill you he just is like (laughs) his weird mormon (laughs) he's okay okay go he starts getting dressed immediately and um a girl wakes up from his bed and asks what's going on um she looks all of 16 years old excellent well uh uh-huh at least he's not 12 right oh don't worry that's coming um A girl wakes up, I'm uh, sorry, so he tells her to wake up the girl beside him, behi- beside her, and she wakes up and she says, yes, Uncle Warren, what's going on? No! <laughs> um, I yeah. hate it. <laughs> so he runs into another room and tells a woman who's like his age, not 16, um, to wake up and that he's leaving and he's going to be taking Katie, who was the yes, Uncle Warren girl with him the older woman says but i'm every time you say that i'm gonna throw up Uh well that's the only time i quote it anymore so okay um the older woman says but i'm your first wife i have to go with you and so he gives her some bullshit fuck you you're not my favorite right he gives her some bullshit about why she has to stick around and he's got to take a lesser wife so i have a quick question that is actually relevant okay how old is the girl he takes with him she looks between 16 and 18. She's very young looking. Okay. Cause the, the wife that he took with him, who was his favorite wife was actually 31 years old. Okay. No, she's he at, did, he did bring an age appropriate companion at least. No, at which oldest, is the only nice thing I can say about 20s. him. Um, so the man Warren Jeffs jumps into who is Warren Jeffs, obviously, but they don't tell us really who it is for a while, like who Warren Jeffs is, I, you know. I called it with Uncle Warren. Right. Um they he jumps into this pickup truck and they take off just as a swarm of police cars crest the hill. <gasps> Warren hides in the backseat of the pickup as police pass, and once they're gone, he sits up and looks very pleased with himself. Wow. And then I think we go back in time because so writing these notes, I'm sure for you is the same way as me. It's stream of consciousness. So Mm -hmm. I think we go back in time. And then for sure later, I realized that we were back in time, but it didn't definitively tell us. You've reviewed my notes before. And like when I do the movie, it's stream of consciousness. And when I do like the case, it's like all paragraphs and shit. See, even whenever I do the movie, it's paragraphs, but it's very much still stream Mm -hmm. of consciousness. See, my my movie because well because when i would do paragraphs they would get so long it'd be like eight and nine pages long and i had to like cut right. it all down um so the next few shots are of the colorado countryside and it's really beautiful like it makes i will me say go there. And they, they say in the in the the uh documentary prophets pray and in the book that he had excellent taste in real estate yes 
And they showed it in this movie. Um, so it finally settles on this, like, like the scenes finally settle on this settlement of women in ugly dresses and men in suits and kids look happy and they're jumping on a trampoline. And then everyone gathers at a prayer meeting where Warren and first wife are singing gospel music. And they're actually not bad. Like the actor and actress sound good together. Hard pass. Have you heard Warren Jeff's actual voice? <laughs> no. I thought Robert Durst was bad. No. Uh-uh. It's real bad. Um, on, I'll see if I can find a clip for you. So he leaves the performance to go to a meeting with some really angry looking old man. And I'm talking, this man had to have been around before God himself. So, um, the old men or the men in the room are really mad that Warren has interrupted the meeting and he's told to return to quote his little guitar. And you know, anytime, anytime somebody refers to anything as your little something, they're pissed. Like, yeah. run off to your little girlfriend. Like, <laughs> so, um, it cuts back and <laughs> Father Time is cutting his wedding cake with his new 17-year-old bride and I'm going to vomit. Like, mm. this old man and this girl is trying so hard to smile, but she's not. Father Time is Rulon Jeffs, yes? Yes, Father Time okay. is Rulon Jeffs. Um so he takes a group photo with all his wives and it looks like a senior class photo. Like he has so many wives. They're on like risers. Yeah. I think he had, when he died, well, before he, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this right now. Just go. Okay. Um, I'll get there. So cut to Warren crying in front of a mirror and then slapping himself because that's normal. It is normal. Mm-hmm. And then cut to him teaching kids about the teachings of Joseph Smith, which by the way, if I'm, if I'm coming up with a prophet name, like Joseph Smith is the most generic name. And I always try to say the wrong name. Um, I'm pretty sure Joseph Smith was just his name. I know that was his name. I'll talk about, I won't talk about it, but I just always type the wrong name because it's so generic. I would come up with a cool name for a prophet. And if I were the prophet, I'd rename myself like Madonna. Okay, David Koresh. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so he gets pissed that a girl is doodling and not listening. And so he reminds her that her, the highest honor for a woman is to get married and have children. Fuck that. Um, and so... <laughs> Poor doctrine aside, he's not actually a bad teacher. He, um, and by poor doctrine, You'll I mean sitting a girl. Academy. Yeah. By poor doctrine, I mean sitting a girl aside and saying the only thing you're good for is having babies. That's the poor doctrine. We will get to Alta Academy. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so, um, he, a girl makes fun of the, um, the girl who's doodling. Um, and he does a really good job at making the girl feel better. After it's all over, apparently her dad has run away from the settlement. And so that's like a big stigma. Um, And he talks about finding your way in the world. And then it shows him like just being really kind and helpful to all the kids around the settlement. And then I wrote, but I really, I know who he really is. So dot, dot, dot. Uh, we'll um, even talk about his uh, stint at Alta Academy and all the dumb shit. That, not dumb, like horrible criminal shit that he did. <laughs> Warren enters the room of the angry old men, which is, I put in all caps because, or like, I made it a proper noun because I think the room of angry old men is what it's officially called. Mm-hmm. Um, and Father Time says that he got a vision that God is going to destroy everything and everyone. 
And Warren tells him, like, you've had this vision before. Maybe you're just getting old. And um, Father Time leans in really closely and very quietly says, Do I need to doubt your faith? Um, then he announced... <laughs> Then he announces that the day of reckoning will be coming June 12th. And apparently it's June 11th because Warren has to go gather everybody in a field so they can die together. So. I'm sorry. Did I, did you turn off this movie and turn on a Jonestown movie? <laughs> nope. Okay. So now it's midnight and everyone's gathered in a field to die together, except for father time who is sitting in a black Cadillac. Cause he refuses to get out with the other people. Mm-hmm. And Warren goes over and says, well, it's after midnight and nobody's dead yet. And the old man says, I'm not feeling well. You deal with this. And he hands Warren a megaphone and drives away in his black Cadillac. So Warren gets over the megaphone and he says, the apocalypse has been canceled because they're, they've been such good servants of God, but the settlement people all look pissed. And by the settlement people, I mean all of Warren's stepmothers. <laughs> later that night um warren gets a call that father time is in the hospital and warren has to go visit um and so on his deathbed father time says that somebody who is not warren jeffs will be the next prophet and warren looks pissed um, because apparently being the prophet was some like um i don't know patrilineal thing that no one told me about <laughs> So actually it is, um, it's passed down and because, and I'll get into it more, but Rulon and Marion, Marilyn Steed really raised him to believe he was the chosen one. Right. And that he would be the prophet and that he had it. So the prophet is the person in the group that has the direct connection to God. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, he looks pissed. So he goes to the meeting of the meeting room of the old men and the other elders are there and they tell him that they've decided, um, how they're going to handle everything. And Warren is like, but I'm handling my dad's business. Like that's my job. And they, um, they say, and then he says, I'm going to have to tell the prophet that you guys have been meeting without him. And the elders start to backtrack and they say that all they were trying to do is figure out who's going to be the next prophet, that they're going to submit some names. And and he says, um, we're going to submit names to God. Are you kidding me? And he storms out um, and he finds the little girl that he was consulting earlier. Her name's Alyssa. And she's crying because she's she's been hit by her cousin. Um, and then there is, in all caps, a gratuitous shot of him stroking her face and lips. And ew, she's 12, you fucking ingrate. She winds up being 14, but that's not actually better. Alyssa comes up in the real story. I know. He's a real player. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, also, she's a fucking badass, so good yes, for her. Yes, she is. Yes, ma'am. In this movie, too. Um, so he gets a phone call later that Father Time has died. And Warren starts talking to himself, but it's like that grumbly low voice where you can't actually understand what anybody's saying. Sure. Um, And I said, I think maybe the filmmakers are just trying to prove he's crazy because you really can't understand anything he's saying. Um, And so all of Warren's stepmothers are walking and they pass a car, walking with him and they pass a car inside. And I realized this isn't the first time I've seen the guy who's in it. And then he turns out to be FBI guy. 
Um, and the camera had like panned over him during the very opening scene when he was running from the police. So, um, what is his name in the movie? I'm sorry. Uh, Ingalls. They changed okay. his name. Yeah, they did. They changed his name. Um, That's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, his is different. So, um, Warren gives a moving eulogy that says his father appointed him the next prophet because he's so pissed that the other elders were plotting him, uh, like plotting against him. And then the mm-hmm. other elders look pissed. But Warren's first wife looks first pleased and then shocked that she's the wife of the new prophet. Okay. So um, Warren makes a home visit to a family and the dad's not home. So the little girl lets him in and he says, do you know who I am? And she says, no. And he says, don't worry, you will. So the dad comes back from the store with all of his wives and um, Warren has crossed his face out like with a Sharpie has blacked his face out from every picture in that house and then tells him that he's been excommunicated from their settlement. And he is the, the guy who was supposed to be the next prophet. Yeah. So, um, Warren. So I probably won't get to this in my notes. I'm sorry. Um, but there is, so Warren just from jail, a few like after he was arrested, he was on suicide watch for a while. He tried to commit complete suicide a couple of times, but he then called somebody there and confessed that he was not the real. It gets prophet. into that too. Okay. And I'll cover oh, cool! That. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. So um, it cuts to Warren brooding in a barn, and he looks over and sees Alyssa, and she's getting real handsy with this boy that she's been seeing. Um, so he looks pissed and he storms off. He shows up at her house later and he says, quote, your mother told me you've been getting your monthly visitor, which means you're ready. That's a double thumbs down from both of us. Thank you. <laughs> then he tells her it's time to get placed. Her mother says this is a great honor, but she looks devastated. She locks herself in the bathroom she's in a wedding dress and she wails that she doesn't want to get married she'll do anything to not get married they bust in the door and they drag her down to the car where warren is waiting for her it cuts to a shady ass motel and warren is waiting outside for the wedding to begin Alyssa gets literally dragged into her wedding where like 25 ish year old guy is standing um She's crying and she's forced to say her vows and kiss her new husband. And, you know, whenever I got married, nothing would have made me happier than a woman who was reluctant to say her vows and cried as I kissed her. Did they say who he was, like, in relation to her? Uh Uh-uh. Was it her cousin? He's her cousin. That's who I assumed. Because he's who hit her and... Yeah. um, They just... If they said it, I missed it. But I don't remember them saying it. He's her cousin. Um... And I said, I think I'm going to vomit. Then it comes mm-hmm. to Warren telling his wife that she has to show, quote, these girls the way. Now, this whole movie was like a montage. Like, there was no transition. It would just, like, black out and go to a new scene. Because it's kind of like oh, we're sure. being crazy with him. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, um, the next morning, the first wife has a lineup of women. And she's expect- inspecting them, like the military. She, like, checks their fingernails and their braids. And she tells one that her braid is too sloppy. And then she explains to them that it is a great honor to be married to the prophet. And they must present themselves with honor. And one girl is crying. And first wife asks what's wrong. And she says, this is so wrong. And then she starts quoting scripture about being married to... Um, 
being already married and being married to a man's father. And this is when we find out that he has taken some of his stepmothers to be his. Oh, he took all, all of, of them, them except yeah. three. Uh-huh. So, um, so first wife slaps the shit out of her and tells her she's out of line for crying. So crying wife says, you're the first wife. Surely you don't want this either. And first wife says, and I had to write this quote because God, it's magical. Ours is not to want. Ours is to obey. Okay, bitch. <laughs> Warren comes in to marry all of them. And the crying wife says, I would not choose any of this. I was married to your father and I honor that contract. So Warren shows her what he's dealing with by grabbing first wife by the hair. And he twists her knot so tight that she starts to cry and sinks to the ground. And crying wife still refuses, even though he's torturing first wife and she's let out of the room. And I really thought that he was going to have her killed. Okay. Um, so Warren, then the, um, later that day grabs the boy who he saw making out with Alyssa in the barn and mm -hmm. drives him to the middle of the desert while giving him a spiel about how awful the outside world is, especially with all the quote, blacks, homosexuals and fallen women in the world. Um, no comment. Then he kicks the boy out into the desert and tells him he's no longer welcome there, community. And honestly, I think that boy's the lucky one. Probably. Um, the girls are, all of the wives are now sitting naked in front of a picture of Jesus while Warren fucks one of the other wives. And they just have to sit and watch. And she keeps saying, I feel God in you. And that's the last thing I want to hear during sex. Um, and then he has the most awkward screaming orgasm while she's screaming scripture. And, um, I was so done with this scene. Um, so after that, he puts on his robe and he walks into this locked room where crying wife is. Um, he pins her to a wall and says, I'm going to break you. I'm going to teach you to be an obedient wife. Then he locks her back in the room. Pass. <laughs> so um it cuts to the fbi guy he's in his motel room and all of his like he has boxes of files that have all been upturned and spread around the room mm -hmm. um and so he looks like distraught and he's afraid that people have taken stuff but later we found out they didn't they were just trying to scare him yeah okay so first wife comes into crying wife and sneaks her out of the house she gives her her things and tells her to run and crying wife does run. She scales the side of the built, like of the fence surrounding the settlement. And she pieces the fuck out of there. Um, and so Warren wakes up after she's gone and he screams like a lunatic. Then he gets in his truck to find her. Um, and it's really intense to only be 45 minutes into the movie. Like I thought this right. was going to be the like high, the, you know, the high point. Right. Uh, um, so Warren goes into his office the next day and Alan, Alyssa's husband and cousin is complaining that she won't put out. So Warren slaps him for not being a real man and forcing her to do it. And then he says, it's not her place to have wants. And then it cuts. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. It cuts to Alyssa crying post rape. And Alan says, now you're a woman. What do you say? And she thanks him and it's real upsetting. Um, oh, have you heard the the rape tape? No, and I don't want to. Oh, she thanks him. A child. 
It's disgusting. FBI guy is reorganizing all of his files. He's talking about Warren and how unstable he is. When he gets a phone call and shows up at a police office, he walks in to interview this person who's appeared and it's crying wife. Uh, Her name is Rebecca, but because all she did was cry for the first half of the movie, that's all I got from her. Um, He says, if you go through with this, they'll do anything they can to ruin you. And she says, I left my sister behind, sir, Alyssa. She's been matched with a man named Alan. Then she says she's 14 and FBI guy looks pissed, but also pleased like he's finally like hit gold. Mm -hmm. Um, So Warren presents a, there's a, um, a news report that comes on that calls him worse than the American Taliban. And so Warren presents a sermon about all the new rules that God gave him because of that newscast. Um, The color red, which is the color of Satan has been banned from their settlement. Mm -hmm. So are swimming basketball and baseball because Mm -hmm. uh, you need to pray instead of play. Yep. Um, No media is allowed except for radios, no TVs, no movies, no satellites, computers, newspapers, or magazines. Yep. There's no dancing or music except for hymns. Mm -hmm. Um, no dogs because they're descendants of the wolf, which is Satan's uh, right hand. Yep. And um, Warren says the Lord has instructed him to take another wife. And then he walks in like into the crowd and pulls a veritable preteen by the arm to their wedding. Excellent. Um, Warren is then told he has to be questioned. Like there's a subpoena um, that he's going to be questioned about statutory rape charges, among other things. So, um, it's all the like elders are telling him he has to comply. And Mm -hmm. so he has another sermon where he makes the elders stand like he's about to thank them for their work. And then he says that they've all been playing the whole settlement like a fool and that they are, um, emissaries of Satan and that they have been excommunicated. Awesome. So then Alyssa is cleaning her house and she miscarries in the middle of the kitchen and blood is everywhere. Um, and this is where, this is where I text, you know, I was like, this sucks. Yeah. Um, so Warren comes to Alyssa's bedside and tells her he's sorry about her baby, but he can't stand her stupid sister and the, and she was awful and how dare she question him. And he has never been so slighted before. And he's really the victim here. Yeah, your problem is awful, but let me tell you about mine. Right. Then Alyssa is washing her face and there are bruises on her face. So she wades Mm -hmm. into the water and I thought she was going to drown herself, but I think it was symbolic of her washing away from the, like from the society. Um, Yeah. But it was just a very odd scene because nothing else had been like symbolic. Nothing else had been like artistic. And then there's this one scene where she wades out in the water. So. Warren meets up with some guys in the desert. They tell him that the FBI has a real investigation and they've got to do something about it. But luckily, when you know, God talked to Warren right there and told him to move the settlement. So they start looking for a new place. Um, Meanwhile, Alyssa gets in the car and drives away crying and she makes her way to St. George, Utah. Mm -hmm. It cuts to Warren naked in his bed with all of his wives standing around And he tells them it's their responsibility to help each other during sex. And they all look really devastated. Um, And I just, like, PSA, there are easier ways to have an orgy. Pass. (laughs) Um, I can't. (laughs) I said, like, seriously, you're not unattractive. Just put out a Craigslist ad or something. Um, You know, that's the thing. Like, he is disgusting but if he wasn't such a creepo 
and had like a better haircut, he wouldn't be like the world's worst looking dude. Right. But uh, then you added all the terrible shit he's done, and I'm like, oh, mm, yeah, the worst. Yeah, so then, thanks. as the picture of Jesus watches, the wives all hold one wife down while Warren rapes her, and she cries. I don't think that's how orgies work. Nope. So Although I've really never had one, so I don't know. Cut to now. Alyssa is in a diner, and FBI guy is sitting with her and crying wife, and she's in normal people clothes. And, Yay! Uh, she gives. Uh, he asks if she's willing to give her testimony because it's what uh, a trial against him would hinge on. And she's scared, but they promise to take care of her. So hey. then it's nighttime and Warren gets a phone call and we're back at the beginning. Um, the cops he are here to arrest Warren. Like it finally shows them coming into the compound and he's not there um, because he's fled. But they go into his house. They order the wives to identify themselves. And first wife says... My name is Janine Jeffs, wife of the one true prophet, Warren Jessica Jeffs. She doesn't say Jessica, but I felt it was appropriate. <laughs> so I have named him Warren Jessica Jeffs at this point. His middle name is Steed. I, I know. I prefer which Jessica. His, which is his mother's like maiden name. Right. Because his mother's family, the Steed family, believed that they were like some kind of like Mormon FLDS royalty. Oh, of course. So, Which is not a thing. Then, um... He's not even the king of the FLDS. He's the prophet, which is not royalty. Right. Right. But whatever. So then, um, it keeps showing different shots of him on the run, and he's talking into a little tape recorder, and he says he's being persecuted just like Jesus. Mm, nope. Except, no. <laughs> um, but thanks. And then um, Warren gets a tip that Alyssa is the FBI's informant. And this in, uh, the guy who gives the tip says he knows where she is. So he buys some guns and takes off in the truck. And I'm afraid of what's coming next. Because I figure in Lifetime, like Lifetime has proven that this is the point where he's trying to track her down. And the FBI is mm -hmm. trying to save her. And all points are going to converge at one time. Mm -hmm. That's not where it goes at all. Sure. Um. So... FBI guy gets a call of a possible sighting and springs into action. So then Warren's SUV gets pulled over and the driver panics, but Warren tells him just pull over. It's fine. We'll act normal. Um, the driver gets arrested. And when they're searching the car, they find all of his guns and cash. And the right. police officer asks him his name. And finally on the third time he says, he just smiles really broadly. And he says, Warren, Jessica Jeffs. And then Warren's in jail and is being interviewed by FBI guy. And hmm. FBI guy says Warren's problem is that Warren knows he's going to hell. So he's having to keep this charade up for as long as possible. Um, and so. I don't know if that's a problem. <laughs> I really think that Warren believes he is God. Um, so then it cuts to the trial day. Alyssa and crying wife are being ushered into the courthouse. And then so is Warren and first wife is standing there trying to look strong, but devastated for her husband. And I really feel the worst for her because she is so brainwashed. Uh, yeah. At least this character. I don't know about Janine in real life. Um, so Alyssa takes the stand and gives her testimony. Luckily we don't hear it. It's just like sad music playing over it. Um, she cries a lot. The jury stands and finds him guilty and Warren is led into prison. And then I was like, Oh great. This is the end. No. So, um, FBI guy returns to the field office. He gets a standing ovation. Warren cries in a cell 
in his cell and then bends down to start to pray and rocks on his knees like a psychopath. Um, and then he, uh, his wives and a guy come to visit him and he tells the wives to leave and he dictates a message to the guy and says, um, you are all worthy of Zion, but I will not be there because of the weakness of my flesh. I have sinned. I have sinned. Anyone who wants to may hear this message so they know that I am a liar, but the truth is not in me. The truth was never in me. And his followers, his follower is upset that he was never the real prophet. And then, um, like he's like trying to question it. And then Warren says, this is not a test. I am not the prophet. I never was the prophet. And then he cries so hard he has to leave. So then he rips up a bed sheet and tries to hang himself in his cell. And I didn't mean to laugh at this next part, but one of the other prisoners yells, Yo, security! Dumbass prophet trying to off himself! Security? (laughs) Yes! And I died. So then the settlement is having a prayer meeting about how Warren's not the prophet. They deliver the message and first wife stands up and she is not having this. She's crying and she's leading a communal prayer that her husband will be returned to them as the one true prophet, that this is just a test. And so FBI guy walks into Warren's house and finds one of his wives on the floor cleaning hundreds of framed photos of Warren's headshot. They're just like sure. in a pile in his living room. Hmm. And then it okay. ends with the closing Chiron. Warren Jeffs is currently serving a life sentence on two counts of sexual assault against a minor. 10,000 mm-hmm. members of the FLDS still worship the Warren, still worship Warren Jeffs as their prophet. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ends. All right. So first I'm just going to play you a little clip of his voice. Just okay. so you can get the, and I'm hoping that this goes right into it, but if not, we can edit it out. Hold on. Morning, everyone. I always like to see the front seats filled first. So don't be afraid to move forward when you come in. Not a fan so of just, that. That's just him, like, telling people where to sit. So imagine having to listen to him actually talk about God. No. I would find mm. a new church. Really, though, if you watch, so... Um, uh, Showtime did an excellent, excellent documentary about this case called Prophets Pray. It is really, really good. Um, and they play a lot of his voice, and it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, and then so I got so a lot of my information, and I'll get again to all the books that I've read on this subject because I didn't want to do it on the top, but. Um, a lot of my information for these notes came from Prophets Pray, which is on Showtime. Um, Nonprofit, which was an article that ran in Texas Monthly. Texas Monthly, A, has the best writers and B, the funniest writers. I will take so, it. So Texas Monthly is actually the editor-in-chief of Texas Monthly. I went to high school with him. Really? Tim Taliaferro. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, um, who, who wrote this article? Do you remember? Um, I can pull it up. Hold on for me one second. It's really a lot about his trial and how fucking crazy it was. Um, this article is written by Katie Vine. Okay, she's written some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I got also Wikipedia and, of course, um, the Cults podcast, which did a two-parter on Warren Jeffs, he cray. Um, was that the title of the two-parter? Because I'm in for yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was founded in 1830 by Joseph Smith. Um, Again, he most claimed, generic name on earth. He claimed um, that he found a series of gold plates buried near his home in western New York by a, quote, indigenous American prophet. Okay. Um, he then translated those plates with the help of an angel Maroney who had been grooming him his whole life for his role as a religious leader. Um, have you heard the last podcast on the left uh, research on this? I don't think so. They referred to the angel Maroney as uh, something you can order at a fast food Italian restaurant. <laughs> um, on April 6th, 1830... Smith organized the religion's first legal church entity, the Church of Christ. Um, they rapidly gained a follower who viewed Smith as a prophet. Um, in late 1830, Smith envisioned a, quote, city of Zion, a utopian city in Native American lands near Independence, Missouri. Um, in October of 1830, he sent his assistant and others on a mission to the area. The missionaries converted a congregation of disciples of Christ led by Sidney Rogdon, and in 1831, Smith decided to temporarily move his follow followers until lands in the Missouri area could be purchased. Um, so this leads to them like being... <clears throat> so the church is founded now. So the most holy and important doctrine of the church, according to Joseph Smith, was that, the pl was that of plural marriage. This doctrine stated that each man needed three wives in order to enter the highest celestial kingdom of heaven. In 1844, Joseph Smith was indicted and jailed for treason, where he was then shot and killed by a mob. Holy moly. Um, yeah, so he had been jailed and the governor had sworn to protect him, like, personally. And then a mob stormed the jail and murdered him. I knew that, but hearing it again makes it sound awful all over again. Leadership then was assumed by Brigham Young, and the Mormons migrated to what would later be called Utah. The government at this point cracked down really heavily on polygamy, and under increasing pressure from the government, the official or the Mormon Church officially renounced polygamy in 1890. At this time, many sects who believe in the plural marriage doctrine splintered off from the main Mormon Church. One of these sects became known as the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the FLDS. Uh, Rulon Jeffs became the prophet of this sect and took upwards of 50 wives. Holy shit. Like, mm. I told you it looked like a class photo, but... So the FLDS has some weird rules, and so I just want to, like, highlight a couple of them. Um... It's disrespectful to wear red because that's Jesus's favorite color. And when he comes back, he will be wearing red. Sure, Jan. Unlike the, um, the Mormon, the actual Mormon church, who, by the way, is completely separate from the FLDS. Like the right. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a completely separate religion. In fact, one of the guys who investigated them, um, when he was called in about maybe investigating them, it was noted that he was a, a Mormon and he was like, yeah, it's like, it's the same thing as like, 
I can't remember exactly what he compared it to, but it's like the Westboro Baptist Church and regular Christians. Right. It's completely different. Um, but unlike the mainstream Mormon church, it is okay for them to drink alcohol and coffee. Well, there you go. The women, the women are never allowed to cut their hair, ever. Um, if you're not the prophet, um, sex is very horrible. It's very close to the handmaid's tale. They have, so the prophet will come tell you when it's time for you to procreate. And three men come to your home. Um, one of them stands, no, yeah. One of them stands watch and the husband holds the wife's hands and another one of them has sex with the wife. No, I'm, nope. It's a way to keep the bloodlines, quote unquote, pure. Okay. They also think Warren Jeffs is the president. Of the United States? Yeah. They don't vote in the presidential election because they think he's the president. I want to vomit. (laughs) Oh, we're just getting it. So Prophets Pray talks about the span of FLDS-owned companies, and it's just mind-boggling. Um, there are well-known lighting companies, manufacturing companies. Um, there's also Hydropack, who manufactured O-rings for the space shuttles. Oh, my gosh. And who actually, like, got it in some kind of, like, legal issue with NASA after the Challenger explosion. Wow. On whether or not their, um, their stuff was the problem. Was the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, official, like, quote in the FLDS is keep sweet, which means to, like, keep your mouth shut and don't um, cause trouble. That's keeping sweet. If you listen to anything that Warren Jeff says, he says it about a million times. Uh-huh. Um, so, speaking of Warren, uh, Rulon Jeff's favorite wife, Marilyn Steed, had five sons. She was the fifth wife of Rulon, and the second son, Warren Steed Jeffs, was born premature. Rulon was actually in a different state at the time, but rushed to Marilyn's side to be with her when he heard that the baby might die. When he lived, they both decided that Warren was the chosen one. Oh, okay. Marilyn Steed was said to be extremely protective of Warren through his entire life, even though he earned the reputation as a voyeur as early as the age of eight. Ew. <clears throat> Warren graduated from Alta Academy, the FLDS school, at the age of 17 and immediately became a teacher. No secondary education needed. Nah. Nah. Um, then within well, a couple of years, he became the principal. Well, yeah, all you have to teach people is that women are meant to have children, and you've covered all their education. The curriculum in the school was really just what they call, quote, priesthood history or church history, and not even like the actual Mormon church history. It's what they deem to be the history of their church. Oh, good, good. So they just leave out like all the things they don't want to talk about. But it's really just indoctrination indoctrination into the church and its principles. It was also Warren's personal space to sexually abuse the students. Mm, that's not how school works. Which he did rampantly, including his own nephew. Um, oh. 
where he would like take his nephew down to the basement and a group of men would rape him no. No. as a child. <clears throat> yeah. In 1997, after suffering a series of strokes, Rulon Jess was rendered basically nonverbal and noncommunicative. Warren seized the opportunity and rushed to his father's bedside and quickly declared himself the voice of his father, inherently replacing him as the prophet. However, he did not yet declare himself the prophet. He had to bide his time for a while. Instead of letting Rulon speak through him, which is what he said he was doing, Warren started speaking through Rulon, uh, managing his schedule, determining who he could see and when, etc. He also started filling Rulon's head all up with the Y2K um, phenomena and all the terrible things that were going to happen at the like when the millennia turned over. Rulon became convinced that the world would be ending when the world did not end on January 1st, 2000. Jeffs blamed the congregation saying they weren't good enough to deserve God coming down to wipe out the rest of humanity. Oh, I kind of like the movie's version better. <laughs> the community relocated to Short Creek um, in early 2000, which is Colorado City, Arizona. Short Creek is an interesting place. There's a street that runs straight through the middle of town that separates half the town into Arizona and the other half into Utah. This allows them to border jump if there is a, if there is ever a legal issue. They could just cross the street and be in another state. That's brilliant. Mm. Um, Warren moved everyone there in an effort to keep them contained, away from mainstream society, and to keep everyone under his thumb. He also began marrying young women off to his father, knowing that when he died, they would become his wives. Ew. It's actually widely believed that Warren killed Rulon in an effort to hide the fact that Warren had impregnated one of his wives. By, like, they said, like, he just, they just fed him the wrong, like, he was, like, based on the edge of death, right. but they just fed him, like, the wrong thing. Right. Died. With Rulon out of the way, Warren became the prophet. He married all but three of Rulon's wives, one who ran away, one who refused to marry him, and his own mother. <sighs> At this point, being in charge and having all the wives was no longer good enough for Warren, so he began casting out people he felt did not fall in line with what he was teaching. That checks out. So just like a quick overview, when men are cast out of the church, or as they call it, declared apostates... They are to leave their wives and children to be reassigned to another more righteous man. Additionally, he is instructed to go far away and repent. He's not to contact the, um, the community. He's not to contact law enforcement about custody of his children. He's supposed to go away, repent, and if God ever decides that he's repented enough, he'll let Warren know and then Warren can call him back to the community. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when women are declared apostates they are also sent away without their children he then assures the others complete cooperation by teaching that anyone who has a willful association with an apostate will also burn in the scourge that brought that god is bringing down upon the earth great um it's at this time that warren took away access 
and you kind of touched on this, but we'll get more into it. He took away access to television, basketball hoops, toys, games, movies, newspaper, internet, pets, dancing, Pioneer Day, Christmas, swimming, just all fun. Wait, Pioneer Day? So Pioneer Day is like a big deal in Utah. Yeah, I know. Don't fuck with my Pioneer Day. Like Mm -hmm. He took away Pioneer Day. He instilled this fear in people, and the more they feared him, the more they obeyed him. And I really shouldn't say that in the past tense because they still obey him. Mm-hmm. He demanded their obedience or they were cast out of the church and the community. Since Warren himself, as the leader of the church, owns all of the homes in the community, if he kicks people out of the church, he also takes away their home. Holy shit. So nobody in the community owns anything. They sign everything, their paychecks, everything goes to the church. They have no money and no place to live. Um, They also began the practice of kicking out the young men of the church, the teenage boys, by having them driven out of town and left on the side of the highway for some to find somewhere else to live. Oh my gosh. This was just so they can keep the old man to young girl ratio at a level that they like for themselves. The great-ish thing about this is that some of these young men bravely went to law enforcement and started demanding that they do something about what was happening. Well, good. Because of this, more and more abuse victims started coming forward. In July of 2004, a polygamy task force was put together by the FBI. It's basically modeled after the old mafia task forces. Okay. They started investigations for tax fraud, racketeering, interstate trafficking, etc. So they're not going to get them on, like, criminal charges, like, on, like, outright criminal charges they're gonna get him a white collar crime okay and at this time the lawsuits start rolling in namely from the lost boys which is what they call the boys that were driven out of town and left right and Alyssa wall who at age 14 was forced to marry her 19 year old cousin who then proceeded to abuse her viciously for several years until she escaped god this girl is a complete badass and it's how warren catches his first charge which is accomplice to rape prophet's prey shows her shows a clip of her outside the courthouse quoting the famous quote evil flourishes when good men do nothing which is so relevant right now i had to repeat it Uh uh-huh the problem with catching him however was that all of the law enforcement officers in short creek are also flds yes so Sam Brower, the investigator extraordinaire, your FBI guy, starts lobbying to get Warren added to the FBI 10 most wanted list, and it worked. Oh, I forgot to mention that in the movie. There's a scene where he sees it, and he smiles, and he goes, I'm bigger than Bin Laden. He So he was the second most wanted man. He was right between Osama Bin Laden and Whitey Bulger. Oh my god. What company to keep. Yeah. So Warren goes on the run and leaves his brother Lyle in charge. And he went off to live the good life. And I don't know, I don't mean good as in good deeds. He frequented Bourbon Street. He rode motorcycles with his wife. He spent a lot of time in Las Vegas casinos. He claimed to um, to have called down Hurricane Katrina after spending a night on Bourbon Street. Oh, that because God very... wanted him to see the, uh, the depravity. That's very kind of you, sir. Thank you. Why would you take credit for that? Yeah. Uh, 
On August 28, 2006, Warren Jess was arrested outside of Las Vegas after a routine traffic stop. The temporary plates and the brand new red Cadillac Escalade no. he was riding in were not visible, which led to the car being pulled over. They also found like $100,000 of worth of cash in the car. And we thought like Robert Durst was riding with some money. Um, the officer noted, noted when they, he pulled over the car that Jeff sitting in the back seat would not make eye contact with him. And they say over and over, they talk about his jugular. Like the guy saw his jugular vein like pulsing and wow. he was like, something's wrong. And that's why he like, he asked him for ID. And when that came back as not being valid, they arrested him. So during this time on the run, in 2003, uh, Jeff enlisted one of his cronies to buy a 1,691-acre plot of land in El Dorado, Texas, which he named the Yearning for Zion Ranch. It was meant to be the world headquarters of the LDS. They built a sprawling compound, including a um, large temple, okay. which we'll get to. <laughs> um. So Warren is arrested. He's sent back to Utah and put on trial in the Alyssa Wall case. Um, meanwhile, Texas law enforcement is like working hard on this um, this plot of land or this this <coughs> this ranch in um, El Dorado. Okay. And in 2008, things got cray. Um, the Department of Child and Family Services received what they believed to be a credible call from a young lady claiming to be 16 and a member of the FLDS who was married to a 50-year-old man and was being abused. Ooh. So being Texas, hold on. So with this being Texas, when you hear the word cult, you think of one place. Waco. Yeah. Um, our West Texas friends were n trying not to have another Waco. And while serving the search warrants, things did get a little intense, especially when they were attempting to search the temple, probably because that's where all the evidence was. And also because they believed it was like a sacred space for them. Right. Um, and now we get the news footage that was seen around the world. Um, CPS started removing children from the ranch thinking the community was smaller and there weren't that many children. However, they were wrong. The judge ordered all children to be removed and suddenly there were kids everywhere. And I think the people on the ground there had the best of intentions. But again, when you think about Waco, which is still like a, a, like a hard button issue here, you think about dead babies. Right. And they wanted to get the children out of harm's way in case things went south. So they had social workers there. CPS was there. Like I said earlier, my sociology department took busloads of volunteers there to like shuffle papers or do anything. Um, but this was a PR disaster. All you saw on TV were cute children being loaded up on buses and sweet looking mothers in 1800s dresses sobbing on cameras. No. Oh, man. Okay. It could not have made the state look any worse if they tried. 
I still remember watching this on TV and even knowing like in my head what was going on and knowing they were trying to do the best thing, thinking it was just really poorly handled. Right. Um, but I also have zero suggestions on how they could have made it better. So right. <laughs> in the state's eyes, some, if not all of the children were in immediate danger. Um, an appeals court later ruled that the district court had overstepped its bounds by removing the children from the ranch and ordered they be returned. However, because of all the shuffling around in the hubbub, um, some of the children ended up being returned to the custody of LD, uh, the FLDS, but not the custody of their parents. Oh, I don't like that. Okay. The raid was not all bad, though. Twelve men were arrested for raping or abusing underage girls or women, mostly by proving that they had fathered children with these young ladies who were not of the age of consent. And it also yielded the nail in Warren Jeff's coffin. Thank God. Documents, photos, audio files, and the, quote, priesthood record, a.k.a. Warren Jeff's scrapbook containing all the evidence of underage marriages and the underage girls having children. Yes, that's what I keep saying. Always keep a scrapbook. But it also yielded the tapes. (sighs) Oof. I don't Up I, until this point, everyone knew that Jess was a skis ball. Everyone knew he was doing shady shit. But these tapes are a whole new level. It's proof in his own words how disgusting and depraved that he is. And I just want to say for the record, who records themselves raping a 12-year-old girl? Yeah, no joke. Like that was so horrible. Um so in the Alyssa Wall trial, they did not even allow the tape to be introduced into evidence because it was so awful the judge deemed it too inflammatory. Oh my gosh. So in Utah, Jeffs is convicted. Um, he was sentenced to 10 years, which should be done and done, right? Right. Wrong. A judge in the state Supreme Court overturned the con- conviction because the jury was supposedly not instructed correctly. What were they supposed to be instructed? Find the man guilty is the only instruction they have. So Texas steps in and is like, y'all send him down here. We got this. (laughs) We already messed this up once. Let's fix it. Because this is Texas and we don't fuck around with this shit. No. Um, And especially when kids are involved, Texas will not play with that. No. So they extradite Jeff's to Texas to face trial. Um, In the meantime, he continued to take credit on God's behalf for any natural disaster that struck the earth, such as the the wave, the tidal wave in the Philippines. Oh, the tsunami that year? The tsunami. Thank you. I don't know why I thought tidal wave. No, you're fine. He also tells his followers that the reason he's in jail is because they're not righteous enough. Which, what a good thing to, like, turn it back around so it's not your fault. Yeah, no joke. Um... July 29th, 2011, Warren Jeff's trial starts in Tom Green County, uh, Texas, which is San Angelo, which is where I used to live. Right. Um, Warren Jeff's decides to represent himself, which always goes super well. Mm -hmm. His quote unquote defense was to just give sermons instead of like trial information. Well, right. How can a man who knows this much about the Bible do anything wrong the jurors were super impressed and they all converted immediately oh um they were like you know what we need right now 
ugly dresses for everybody. Yeah, just kidding. They hated his guts. Um, we played the tape. Um, I won't get into it, but she does thank him at no, the end. No. It's she sounds fucking terrified, and it's awful. Um, for his closing argument, he stood silent for forty-five minutes, and then stared each one of the jurors in their face for about a minute. I would have stood up right there and been like guilty. <laughs> he then walked back to the, his table, said, "I am at peace," and sat down. Good. They convicted him in the hallway on the way to the jury room. Right. On the way back, they sentenced him to life plus 20 years. Oh, my God. It all took about two and a half minutes. Did it really only last that little? Because, no. well, I, I mean, know. like. No, it was a little bit, but it was pretty quick. Was it less than two hours? Do you know? No. Okay. Um, so somehow this makes him more popular with his followers. And he still wields his, pal- his power over the FLDS from his prison cell in Palestine, Texas. The I FLDS, didn't realize he was in Palestine. The FLDS still have large communities in Colorado, Short Creek, and South Dakota. There are also Mormon colonies who practice polygamy in the Sierra Madre Mountains in Mexico and Canada. To this day, there are an estimated 10,000 FLDS members under the control of Warren Jeffs. Lyle Jeffs continues to rule the FLDS followers on behalf of his brother Warren. His power and control over the people is stronger than ever despite authorities efforts to take lyle down he has continued to elude them by relying on his religious protection under the hobby lobby act which exempts people from testifying on faith faith faith-based issues which thanks hobby lobby as of last count warren jeffs had 80 wives and upwards of 250 children holy moly no wonder they were signing their paychecks over to him. He's got to pay that child support. Yeah. So an interesting thing that you see, like if you watch the documentary Prophets Pray, is the questioning of Warren Jeffs. Because he is incredibly anti-government and always told his followers that the government was out to get him. That they were subject to God's law and God's law only. So it's incredibly ironic how he consistently takes the Fifth Amendment in his depositions. That's funny. And I just really want to know which part of the Book of Mormon that's from. On the 10th day, God said, let there be the Fifth Amendment. (laughs) That's exactly where it was. So again, like I have extensively studied this subject. And so I just want to run through the books that I've read like over time about this. because I probably pulled from them in some of this. Um, Under the Banner of Heaven. The Sound of Gravel, who actually, The Sound of Gravel um, is about a different community, but it's uh, written by Ruth Warriner and her, like the recent uh, shootings in Mexico of the Mormon family. Uh Uh-huh. That's the the community she's from. Okay. And that book is like devastating. It's really good. Um, The Witness Wore Red, um, about a woman who testified against Warren Jeffs and wore red to the trial. Good for her. Prophets Pray, the book. Um, Escape, which was written by Carolyn Jessup. Um, Stolen Innocence, which was written by Alyssa Wall. And When Men Become Gods, which is a just like a an overview of the FLDS community. Wow. Under the Banner of Heaven is a really good book 
it's one where um, a guy drives through Short Creek one day. He's like an investigator. He's just driving through and he's like, oh, but he gets chased out of town. Oh, really? And he decides to, yeah, by the God Squad, which is the, like, the people that, um, the law enforcement officers that they have in the town. Right. So he gets chased out of town and he's like, huh, that was weird. And when he, like, stops a, a parks service guy, like, later and tells him about it, he's like, oh, that's just the plagues. And so he has to, like, find out about it. And through, like, all of this, he discovers a murder. Oh, wow. Of a woman and her child. Oh, wow. I have <laughs> to really read that one. Book. What's yeah, that one? one? Under the Banner of Heaven? Under the Banner of Heaven. Okay. And how they were protected. It was considered blood atonement, which is a big thing there. Yeah. Which is like if Jesus, if your sin is so big that Jesus can't forgive you, you have to spill your own blood to atone for your sins. Well, that's not how Jesus works. Yeah. So uh, that's Warren Jeffs. He sucks. So you may not know this. Mm. The Sister Wives people. Mm-hmm. Are they FLDS? No. What are they? They're from one of the other like split off sects of that still polygamy. does polygamy. Okay, that still does polygamy. Yeah, they're more like modern. They don't do all the dressing in the, and they don't even like go to an official church. They have church in their home, and the husband preaches. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't watch that or really keep up with it, but mm-hmm. that's your kind of trash. So it is. All right. Well, that was rough and awesome. Um, I am so glad that we got the chance to do this case. I am less glad that we actually did this case. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's rough. Yes. It's Uh, really rough. Do you have a Lifetime Movie of the Week for me? Um, nope. I don't either. We're super good at our jobs. Yeah, we are. All right. Well, do you want to tell the lovely folks where they can find us? Um, yeah. On, hold on. On Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. I thought you'd on, forgotten and I was like, Aaron, we've been doing this for a year now. No. <laughs> on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, fine. You can find our episode notes at lifetimesentence.com. Um, mm-hmm. You hit our Instagram on our Facebook. Did you hit Twitter? Yes. All right. Email and, us at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. And, and if you just can't, yes, that's what I was about to say. If you just can't get enough of us, hop on over to Patreon, um, patreon.com slash lifetimesentence. And mm-hmm. um, we are currently doing um, Unsolved Mysteries and we're having a blast and we hope yeah. you'll join us. Um, so until next time, don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.